welcome to What the Fertility Podcast. My name is Amanda. And I'm Catherine. And we're so excited that you are here. We can't wait to talk to you guys about all things fertility. And we're going to just jump right in and kind of share our story with you guys and um, share why we've started this. Absolutely. I'm super excited. Um, Amanda and I both have kind of long and crazy stories to what led us here, but we also both have very different stories. So I'm super excited to jump in. Um, I know when we first hopped on our call this morning, Amanda had her little baby in her arms. So why don't you go ahead and start, Amanda? Um, I guess we'll do a whole episode of our story. So take as yeah. long as you want. Yeah, no, this is, I mean, it's so crazy that we're even here doing this. Um, uh, like you said, it's been such a long journey for both of us. And they're so different, which I think is really cool because our goal through this really is just to be able to encourage and help um, just women and couples along the way um, that are struggling with fertility, whether you just got your first diagnosis, you've been doing this for years. Um, we really just feel called that we should just share our story and um, yeah, just hope that we help you guys um, through this whole process. So yeah, my journey kind of started back when Chris and I first got married, my husband and I. Um, we are high school sweethearts, which is fun. Um, and you know, you, you go into marriage, you go into a relationship and you know, you never think that you'll have an issue getting pregnant. It's just kind of this thing that like is not on your mind at all. Um, so we just had this whole plan for us, you know, we'll get, go to college, we'll get married, we'll have a baby. It will be super easy. Um, but unfortunately that kind of wasn't the road that, um, was for us. So we got married back in 2018 and we wanted a family uh, right away. Um, both my, um, my sister, his brother, everyone had kids. And so we really wanted to just start our family. Um, and plus being together for so many years, we knew we just wanted to get right into it. Um, but unfortunately it took a lot longer and we went through many different obstacles um, that first year. Um, yeah, I don't think I realized that um, you got you got married a whole year before me. Oh, really? Yeah, because yeah. I got so we yeah. got married March of 2019, okay, and yeah. we did not start trying immediately. So, yeah, that journey for you all the way to Ben has been really long for sure. So we we said like we were gonna give give ourselves a year, but it was like almost like you know, you try without trying. So we did not try, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, I mean, for me, I was like, if it happens, it happens, super excited. Um, but I would say right at that like year mark was really when we took it serious. And I was like, oh, that's when I started um, like tracking ovulation and um, just tracking my period and just kind of everything just to um, really, really try to get pregnant. So um, about a year later goes by um, and we're still not pregnant and everyone, you know, you see on social media, you know, they try one time and they get pregnant super fast. And um, through, through that though, I will, I'll back up just a little bit. Sorry, I'm kind of all over the place, but I think this is important. Um, during that first year of our marriage, I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease. So I was diagnosed with lupus. And so I was told, um, by two different doctors. So one doctor said, you should be fine. It shouldn't affect fertility at all. Um, and that was my rheumatologist. And then I also had seen more of a holistic doctor. And she said, hey, actually, um, we have seen that, you know, autoimmune definitely does play a role in like infertility. 
So hearing two different days. So were you, did you like go out seeking the lupus diagnosis because you guys weren't getting pregnant or you had a ton of other things going on? So, okay, I'll, I'll share. Really Cause I don't know. I yeah. didn't, like, I didn't, this is so informative for me. I didn't know half this stuff. So, oh my gosh, this is really a funny story. So we get married. My husband and I got um, married in St. Lucia. We did destination wedding and we like all of our family is there everyone flew in it was great and so we decided from like our um since we got married at a destination we were going to stay there for our honeymoon but just go to a different resort so we're not like around all the family and everything on our honeymoon yeah. so first night we leave to go to the new resort for our honeymoon um that first night of our actual honeymoon okay so we've already been there for like over a week yeah well I, we go to bed, everything's great. I wake up at 3 a.m. and my entire, like it was like a full, what is the hitch moment? Have you seen the movie Hitch? Yeah. <laughs> Face yes. blows up. I kid you not, my eyes were swollen. My tongue was like completely like out of my mouth swollen. My lips blew up. I couldn't even speak. Chris oh my like gosh. woke up. So I had woke him up because I was barely like able to obviously even speak because I was so swollen. So, Long story short, I had to get like rushed to like, they didn't have like a hospital that was close. It was just like clinics. So I had to go like to a clinic and get like the um, EpiPen type of, yeah. like the injection, all that. So I would stop the swelling. So that's kind of how it first started. Oh my God. Night one of our honeymoon. <laughs> Fun. Chris has been like ready for a wild ride with you for the last four, oh, what, four years. He, yes, he has, seriously. It's like he woke up and I was like, oh, oh my gosh, Fiona or whatever that like turned into, it was not good. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. So you get back to the States, you yeah. find out that you have lupus, you're trying to also conceive. I had, I honestly didn't know you tried for two years before you got pregnant the first time. Yeah. So it was like more like a year, I would say a year and a half to okay. be like fully, yeah, like a good year and a half that we tried. And then we did get pregnant um, and we got pregnant once um, and that was like the craziest thing to see that positive result. And so it was right by uh, Valentine's day. Um, and then, you know, we were ecstatic, we were excited. And so during that time though, let me just say, I did seek the holistic doctor because it took, so that first year, year and a half, um, my OB was like, well, you can, um, let's just wait it out and keep trying because you're still so young that um let's yeah because you were only two. were you only 26 or 27 and I was 25 25 yes, 25 or yeah 25 I think because I'm three years older than you right I'm I, now you're yeah. 28 I just turned 31 so yeah okay yeah. I think I was yeah like, absolutely yeah 25 they're not super yeah. young you're a little baby yeah. <laughs> so she was like you have time you know like we I don't think we need to go the route yet of like an actual, you know, specialist or anything like that. Um, but I had been seeing a holistic doctor for my lupus and she is amazing. And she's very much about the whole body and testing like everything versus just my, like slapping my lupus diagnosis on me. She wanted like to know everything about my body. So as a woman, she was like, well, let's go ahead and, you know, test your AMH. Like, let's do it. So at that point is when I first found out, hey, your AMH levels are so, so low, which 
just a side note, listeners, like a, we go into detail in podcasts to come too of all like what these terms mean, but it's anti-malarian hormone. It's just a, um, a hormone that basically tells you kind of where, how many eggs you may have potentially, um, and kind of the quality too, depending on how low and high it is as well. Um, so at 25, 26 years old, mine was starting off at a 0.3, which is crazy low. So I was told that this really is almost like I'm in my forties, which, I mean, no one wants to hear that, you know, especially if you're trying to get pregnant and just recently married, we're like, what? That just fast forwarded our timeline. And we want more than one kid was our, you know, our goal. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so we got that first diagnosis of low AMH. And so then, um, which is funny though, because I got the diagnosis in January and she was like, Hey, so it might be really hard to get pregnant. I got pregnant a few weeks later. Oh my gosh. Uh, the false sense Literally, of right. security. I was, like, oh, I was like, okay, never mind. I'm fine. I can do yeah. it. Trust me, I yeah, totally oh. get that feeling. You're like, oh, ha, I don't need this. And exactly. then you do. Yeah. So, yeah, so we got pregnant. And then, unfortunately, we did have a miscarriage um, at nine weeks, um, like eight and a half weeks, eight and a half, nine weeks. Um, and we call that baby Shiloh. Um, and we, it's still just so special. Uh, Chris actually got um, a tattoo um, that says Shiloh on him. Uh, I love, love that. I want to see that. Will you send uh, me a picture? Will yeah. you okay? I want to see a picture of that. So we, this may be, I don't know, some people may think this is weird, but it was really helpful just through our grieving process for us is um, I actually, so we, I lost the baby at, at our house um, and I did pass the actual sack. Mm-hmm. And so we did bury the sack. Yeah. And so well, for us was really special. And so we, um, had like a whole like little funeral for her baby. Um, oh and so on the little like can type tin can that we did wind up putting, um, Shiloh in, and then we like put in a blanket and buried it. Uh, Chris wrote peace and blessings to come and then wrote Shiloh on it. And so that's the tattoo that he has. Oh, I have chills. I have full chills and <laughs> I will go into why later, but oh my gosh, that's a beautiful story. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's so special. And so every year, um, just that same time, uh, that same day and everything, we like send a little, uh, bl- like a white balloon up and everything, which has been really like special. Well, I will say like that pregnancy is how I reconnected with you after yeah. 15 years. I mean, so man and I, <laughs> we yeah. cheered competitively together. Oh my gosh. What were you like eight years old? And I was like 12 or something. Maybe not that. I mean, I was maybe in, like nine and 12 I was, like, in middle school and yeah, yeah, we- I was in going into high schoolers. I don't know, but we cheered competitively on like a really great, um, cheerleading team in Matthews, North Carolina for years we did. And then we just lost touch and we ended up counting the other day. It was 15 years and we obviously were connected on social media, but I saw the picture of her and Chris, um, letting go white balloons. That's what the picture is. Right. And that was the first pregnancy. Was it in March? It was. Yeah. I don't know why I remember all these things. So specifically we hadn't even started. Um, no, we had just started trying 
to get pregnant like 30 days before, literally like February of 2020. And that was March of 2020, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, And yeah, and I saw it and I don't know why, like I'd never been pregnant. We had just started trying and it like just hit me. And so like, I liked it. And then when I get into my story, I ended up having my first miscarriage, um, the second, oh no, like the last week in May of that year. So then I'll let you continue, but that was really, you know, Shiloh and that picture and the white balloons is how we've complete, why we're really even doing this whole podcast, which is really cool. Just how you reconnect through this. I mean, as horrible and hard this whole journey is, it is really sweet of how many women you can kind of reconnect with and just, you know, walk through this journey with, you know? Um, but yeah, so we, we lost Shiloh in March. Um, and then we went, we decided to finally go to the, the specialist after that. My OB was like, okay, yeah, I think it's time. You've been trying for over a year. Um, and you know, your AMH levels are low. And at this point, my AMH levels, she retested and it dropped even further. And she was like, yeah, like this is, you know, if we're going to do this, we need to do this now. It's kind of go time. Um, and so I'll, I'll speed it up a little bit, but we did go through, um, multiple rounds of IVF. Um, we decided for us that IUI just wasn't, um, an option. Um, our doctor really didn't even give us that option. Um, they said, you know, with everything that you've already been through, how low your AMH levels are, um, Chris got tested. He was perfectly fine. Um, it was really just me and my diagnosis was unexplained fertility. They had, there was no reasoning and nothing else was, um, kind of popping out as to why my AMH levels were so low. I myself really believe it's due to my autoimmune. Um, but no science just isn't there yet where they can a hundred percent say like, Hey, this is, you know, it's your autoimmune because there are people with lupus that get pregnant and have healthy babies all the time. Yeah. My husband has an autoimmune disease and there are, I mean, we've kind of struggled through that of like, there are no tests. And that's something that he always asked our reproductive endocrinologist. He's like, could it be me? Like, even though my, you know, the three little tests you do for sperm or like a semen analysis, he's like, but that doesn't really test if that's the problem. Um, But anyways, okay. So you did your, you did your rounds of IUI. You did two, right? No, so I did two rounds of IVF, yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry, yeah. yeah. No, IVFs, and then so we did two rounds of IVF, um, and we um, unfortunately got, so we got embryos, um, very little, so we had um, two the first round, and then three um, the second round, and then um, both though, so we decided, because I already had that miscarriage, I did not want to, um, I was obviously very hopeful to not have to go through that again. Um, So I was really adamant about doing genetic testing. And so we did send them all off for testing and they all came back abnormal, both rounds. Um, Which is like the most heartbreaking thing because I mean, having a miscarriage, yes. Going through IVF and all the waiting and all the shots and all the money and all the emotions. And then to say, you don't even get a transfer anything. Like, I mean, because you got way more embryos than I did both rounds. But um, I know that was our biggest fear was like the PGT testing and the results. And then you're just kind of like staring at each other. And now what? 
Oh, I mean, it was, I mean, it's devastating because you're so close. And the, and the hardest thing too is, and if you're familiar with IVF, you know what I'm talking about, about that week where you're waiting for your, um, just your test results to come in, or even before that, when you're, you know, the day one update, that day three update, the day five update, um, just waiting to see if those embryos make it to the blast stage, which is like the stage, this is like the big stage that you want your embryos to get to, um, where they can actually then biopsy them, or um, if you're doing a fresh transfer, they can transfer them to you. Um, But for us, um, I think it was just, we kept getting, we kept having hope that it was going to to work, um, especially because our doctors are telling me I'm so young. And so they mm-hmm. first were trying to convince me not to even test. They're like, you're fine. You're so young that the, the likelihood of, you know, your embryos coming back abnormal are so slim. Like don't even, you don't have to worry about adding extra costs. Like don't. And I was so adamant. So I mean, are- think about that. You had five embryos. You would still be transferring them right now. hundred percent. Like you would still, okay. Anyways, that's crazy. It's so crazy. So I'm very thankful that I listened to myself. So ladies, if you have a gut feeling, like listen to that and be an advocate for yourself because, and I loved my doctors. I really did. So I'm not like saying anything bad about them, but I mean, I'm so grateful that I did listen to myself because like you said, I could have still be transferring right now or just having that heartbreak after heartbreak after heartbreak of possibly miscarrying. Um, but yeah, so all of our embryos came back every time abnormal. Um, and our doctors basically said that they don't understand why, which is so frustrating when you have like a medical doctor telling you that and you just feel, and I know Kat, you can like test to this too. Just like, you just feel like your body is just wronging you. Like you just, there's nothing you can do and you can't change anything. Um, it's just a crappy feeling. (laughs) It is, especially because you don't even know what to change. Yeah. It's like, they're looking at you saying, everything's perfect. I don't know what to tell you. And then you try to change all this stuff. And then you do in my situation and it still is like the same result. So, yeah. Um, and so, and yeah, I mean, I tried everything. I, I read books, I changed my diet and I mean, I'm a pretty healthy person. I was gluten-free for so long. I tried dairy-free. I did acupuncture. I mean, I did all the things that, you know, when you think of you're trying to consume. Yeah, that's why I texted you. I was like, oh my gosh, this girl's done everything. I'm now in in these shoes. What do I do? Help me, please. Yeah, seriously. I mean, every single day. And I'm such a type A person that like I did research and had lists and had everything like in a binder organized of all the medicines. And I mean, I tried everything. And so I think that just shows you like, this is so out of our control. Unfortunately it is. Um, But fast forward and we, um, our doctors were like, Hey, you can go for a third round or you can um, look into other things. So at this point, I'm very much like I need a backup plan to a backup plan because I can't just sit here waiting. I know that we want a family. And so whether that is through adoption, through IVF, through, you know, just conceiving naturally, whatever that may be, um, we wanted a family. And so I already then started looking at different agencies and we had a phone call with an adoption agency um, in North Carolina 
And then we um, are still talking to our doctors about potentially doing a third round of IVF. Um, and then it's actually so crazy. So my sister, sorry, I'm like all over the place, but my sister- no, I'm following. This watching, is good. <laughs> watching the Today Show. Like it still gives me chills. So my sister was watching the Today Show and on the Today Show, and like she doesn't normally watch it. It just like happened that day she was. And there was a, like a couple that came on and they're talking about like how it's like the longest embryo that has been frozen. And this woman adopted this embryo and transferred it. And she's now pregnant with like this embryo. And I didn't know this. Yes. It's like so <laughs> weird. And I know it's like these little moments, but it's like so crazy. Just out of they it. become like, so important in the story. I mean, there's so many things where you're like, that's the sign. Like I deep in my heart know that's what I want to do. Yeah. I mean, exactly. And she immediately called me and cause I mean, her and I are really close and she had just been through like through this whole journey with us. And she immediately called me. I was like, hey, did you know that you can adopt embryos? And I was like, what? Like, what are you talking about? I've never heard of this. My clinic hasn't even given this, like, given this an option for us. Yeah. And so we then kind of started, again, me being who I am of researching everything. I then immediately was like Googling embryo adoption, what that looks like, the cost, how do you find these embryos, like all the things. Um, and so then that's when then I took it further and I asked my clinic, um, in, in North Carolina, like, Hey, do you guys have this? Is this an option? Like, what do you think? Am I a good candidate? Like all the things. So, um, that's how it first kind of even started, which is so cool. Like the today show and my sister. That's so cool. Let's, yeah. let's plug the today show. Yeah, right. <laughs> let's try to find that episode. I think what's even cooler. So we're actually recording this the day after Christmas. We waited till the very end uh, to do <laughs> our stories. Um, but I know I saw you post on the 23rd or the 24th, the 23rd, yeah. the 23rd. Um, I'll let you finish your story, but that was a really significant date exactly 12 months ago. It's so great. And I love that we're doing this right now like I know. during the Christmas season. I mean, it's just so cool how things happen for a reason, honestly, as hard and, you know, heartbreaking this journey has been, I truly believe that it all happened and everything has happened for a reason. But I say that because then my clinic did say, yes, we do have um, embryos that are here that are frozen, um, but their wait list is like insane. And I know you can, you know, wait lists, they're so long. Yeah. Like uh, years. Yes. So, and they have both embryos, they have both tested and they have untested embryos. Mm -hmm. So what happens yeah. is um, a couple, so say, you know, someone else is going through IVF and they get say 10 embryos and they only want two kids so say they do their two transfers they have two live births everything is great and now they have these eight remaining embryos and so the the couple has an option different options so they can one you know discard them they can send them off to um, science for you know just for testing or for anything like that just give them to science for as a donation um, or they can donate them to other couples. And so it's so important. And I really believe just through this, that my story is to share this with women and couples because they, I mean, I, like I said, I had no idea this was even an option. And for us, it was, I wanted to be able to carry a baby. It was really, really important to me. 
Um, and I know like so many others, it's such a special thing that um, women really want to be able to do. And so if, you know, egg, just egg, um, like donating or I'm sorry, adopting eggs, or you just want a sperm donor, if those two like separate, I know for us, we didn't want one of us to be genetic or biologically um, like the child's parent. It was for us, it was like all or nothing. And so this was like the best way to kind of still get that. And so I got to still experience, which I'll say, I know I'm saying I got to, but I'll, I will share. <laughs> um, but you get the opportunity to still experience birth, pregnancy, all that. Um, breastfeeding. Breastfeeding, everything that you've done. We, we pop on the Zoom and we got, <laughs> we have little Ben. Yeah, and literally. I, yeah, exactly. I'm like my yeah, my boobs all That was great. Really but anyways, I'm ruining the end of the story. <laughs> no, it's great. So yeah, so um, that is an option. Um, and for us, like I said, we wanted it to be um, either all of us or none of us. And so my clinic told us that, you know, the, the wait was for an, an actual tested embryo was over a year. And after going, you know, years through this already, I was like, okay, one, I don't want to wait that long, but I mean, I'm willing to do anything at this point. And then two, I, because of already going through the journey of, you know, getting abnormal embryos coming back. And we literally were told every single time, Hey, if you were to transfer this, it will end in a miscarriage. We had multiple, multiple chromosomes that were missing. Um, and so it would never have made it past like the first trimester. So we never would have actually, um, had a baby. And so for us going through all that, we're like, okay, for, we need to have tested embryos. So we're like, okay, well, I guess we'll start, you know, getting on the list and we'll start this process and it is what it is at this point. Um, and then this is where literally it gets insane. And I say this because it's like a dream come true that this even happened. But I am, I went on Facebook and like I said, I'm a crazy researcher and I'm in all of the like support groups. And I just like really believe that we need to come together as a community through something hard and you know, through our miscarriage, I was really open about it. And, um, I wanted to be really open about IVF and all that. So I joined a support group on Facebook. Um, and now that I was looking into embryo adoption, I joined an embryo adoption, um, Facebook group just said, Hey, me and my husband are, and this was during Christmas time last year. So one year ago, and I was just like, Hey, you know, we are possibly thinking about starting this process. Like would love any insight, advice, all the things. So literally, maybe if not even two days later, I get a um, message on Facebook in like my messenger. And it was from a woman that um, she wanted to learn more about Chris and I and that they were donating embryos. And that if we were interested, she would love to just ask us questions. And if it was a possible good fit on both ends, like we'd want to kind of walk it further and see where it could lead us in potentially adopting embryos. So yeah, days later, we answered. It was a questionnaire. Um, it was a whole thing. I was so nervous, obviously. Um, but it was like 15 questions or something like that. I just, you know, answered as you know, honest and truthful as possible. Cause I want it to be a good fit on both ends. 
um, and answered the questions. She loved my answers and thought it was a good fit. And so then we hopped on a Zoom call with them and they asked us many, many things. Um, and this was December 23rd of 2021 oh. and which is so crazy because like we hang up the phone with them and at this point they still are saying that they are interviewing other couples so we're like in the running oh my um, gosh how stressful no this can just like every part like right. every adoption is not any easier than like any it's just any of it it's all just so it's stressful constantly and yeah. ever like at any point it can be taken away and i think exactly. that's so hard is like, you know, even just with pregnancy in itself, that women that get pregnant naturally too. I mean, at any point it can get taken away. And so it's important to not take any of it for granted. Um, But yeah, so they hang up with us. They tell us that there's another couple in the running and that they'll let us know after the holidays, like what they decide. So literally (laughs) we were at my in-laws house. And so they were like trying to give us space and being respectful um, just because we're like, on the probably the most important phone call of our lives casual and um they like run downstairs and they're like how'd it go like blah blah blah. all of a sudden i my phone starts ringing and it's them and so i'm like run like go 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 away get out of here (laughs) so because they're it's not just like a phone call like it was like facetime yeah and so i'm like okay you can't be in here (laughs) like so we answer and they immediately tell us that they chose us and so and I still have chills and so they told us that they wanted to donate the three remaining embryos and so we have and we said yes and so we adopted three embryos last year December 23rd and it is the best decision we ever made in our entire lives I feel like we're going to need to do a whole episode on what happens from here, what happened from here, but long story short, you got pregnant the very first transfer. I did. Yep. Yep. We transferred one. Ben was born five weeks ago. No. Six now. Yep. Almost six this week. So it's so crazy. So surreal. And I mean, he's the best thing that's ever happened. What a beautiful story. I mean, that is just... That's insane. Especially like, I just love all like hearing all the timelines of on December 23rd, they're like, oh, it'll be over a year. And you can like internalize that and be like, okay, well, I'm not going to have a baby then until 2022 at the earliest, but even in like two hours, everything can change. And now you're sitting here with a six week old. I mean, it's just so beautiful. The coolest thing is, and I think it's so special is we lost Shiloh in March um, and we transferred in March with Ben and awesome. they, it was truly two days apart that when we lost him and then when we transferred. And so it was just this beautiful moment of like, yeah, even though, you know, we lost this baby, we also got our rainbow baby from it too. So it was almost a gift from Shiloh that, um, oh. the baby gave us too. So it's just so special, but I'm I want to hear yours. So tell no, us. I mean, I love this. I think this is really good. So maybe we could do like, we probably will just do a whole episode of both of ours, but if people want to stop now they can, and then they can listen to, to my story because like we said in the beginning, I mean, that t- how long, so it took two, I mean, with the nine month pregnancy, three years from day one, pretty much. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm not as in as advanced in my journey as Amanda is granted. I started a year later 
for sure. Two years, two years later. But um, so for me, it's a little different. Um, I feel like I used to be able to just spit out my story and the longer time goes by and more and more has gone on. I'm like, I think I need to look at my notes. <laughs> right? Right. It's so much. But um, So we were a little different. So Josh and I got married um, March of 2019 and we were like all of our friends around us. We're all getting engaged at the same time. We were 28. I was 28, not we. My <laughs> husband is, <laughs> my husband's six years older than me. So I don't know what, 34, 33, something like that. Um, But all of my girlfriends were getting engaged at the same time. And everybody's like, we're going to try for a baby the night of our honeymoon. We can't wait. And Josh and I were looking at each other like, that sounds horrible. Absolutely (laughs) not. Um, So we weren't those people that were immediately like ready to have kids. Looking back, I definitely wish (laughs) we would have tried a little bit earlier. Um, Most people are like that, especially now. Most people are like, oh, we have time. We'll wait. Yeah, they they really are. And so now a lot of people come to me now that they've heard my whole story and they're like, oh my gosh, maybe we should start trying before we even get engaged, Um, which we actually have friends that are doing that. And Josh and I are like, wow, we probably should have done that too. But anyways, I'll digress. Um, So we got married in March. We had the best first year of our marriage. We went to Morocco for our honeymoon. We went to Iceland. We went to Mexico. We Canada. I mean, we were traveling like crazy people. Um, and in January of 2020, this is long, long before COVID. So we were still like getting everything out of our system. We were in London. Uh, Josh was working over there at the time and I was able to go with him for work. So went over to London. We had just gotten in and I got in the hotel room and I was like, oh my gosh, I forgot my birth control. And we both kind of just looked at each other. And we're like, well, I guess pull the bandaid off. Let's start trying now. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. That. And I'm like really thankful for that moment because I probably would have waited another year. But yeah. anyway, yeah. yeah. But anyways, um, I just was so naive to the whole thing and I work in OBGYN. So I don't know. I guess I just had this false sense of like, everything's going to be great. Um, so I forgot my birth control and the first two months I had no idea how you got, pre- I mean, I, like it's silly to say that. Yes, you have sex, you get pregnant. Sure. But like, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure we like had sex like two days before my period, and I was like taking a pregnancy test like the next day, and I just didn't get it. Um, so that was the first two months where I don't even count those because I just really don't feel like I was doing anything appropriately. <laughs> so let's say, let's say March. Um, so in March was when I got pretty serious about it. Like I downloaded the little flow tracker. Um, I still wasn't tracking my ovulation, but I was like, okay, this is the week that you're supposed to try. Um, so March went by, um, April went by. And then in May, uh, it was like, well, not really April went by. So March went by and then April went by and I was supposed to start my period like the beginning of May. And I was texting all my doctors that I work with like, oh my gosh, I'm going to need to go to a fertility specialist. I haven't got pregnant. It's been two months. And they're like, calm down. Um, long story short, my period was a week late. Again, this is back in the day when I wasn't a serial tester. Um, and someone at work was like, have you even taken a pregnancy test? I'm like, no, I just feel like I'm getting my period. No. So long story short, we got pregnant very quickly. Um, like two, really a month of 
one was unsuccessful. Um, that was when everything kind of went crazy. So we got pregnant May of 2020. Um, and around, I'll try to keep this short. It's really hard to do it short. Um, but like, I I like took way too long. No, I was so invested in your story and now mine, I'm trying to sprint through it. Mine's not as like complex as yours. Um, but it was like, I was five and a half weeks pregnant. So we had found out a week before mother's day. So we did the whole like reveal on mother's day in 2020. Um, I was still taking the test. They were positive and I was like five and a half weeks pregnant. And again, I work in OB. So I texted one of my docs and I was like, I just don't feel pregnant. And this, this just started a chain of beta test, right? She's like, oh, well, let's just, I'll just draw your blood real quick. We'll get your HCG levels. It'll be such a reassurance. Don't even worry about it. And you're too early to really have symptoms. So I went like, without even telling my husband, I went and got my blood drawn and I went home that night and I don't know why I was just like Googling, okay, what should your HCG be at five and a half weeks pregnant? And like, for those of you that are trying to get pregnant or have gone through IUI or IVF, like you're not getting your beta at five and a half weeks pregnant. I mean, this isn't like a thing. Um, and so when she called, um, but she actually texted it to me first and it came back at two seventeen, and I was like. I just knew I was immediately like having a meltdown. Like that's too low. I just, knew. but then I also had never actually experienced it being too low. So I was like, well, maybe she'll call and say it's fine. Yeah. So basically she called and said, it's very likely you're going to miscarry this baby. Um, but I hadn't bled or anything. I had no reason to think this, except I was ridiculous and went out of my way to do additional testing. So and you hadn't told your husband at this point. No. Well, no. So, so I didn't tell him I did the test. And then right when she sent that, he came home and he just was looking at me like, why are you crying? What is going on? Are you bleeding? Like what, like what's going on? I'm like, no, I have a 217 lab result. He's like, what the hell is that? that? Um, so she goes to the whole, you're going to miscarry, blah, blah, blah. Um, she goes, but let's get it tested again in two days. You know, maybe you just implanted really late. You didn't really even take a test till a week after. Maybe you're not as far along as you think. Um, we got our second and I will say those 48 hours between any, like the 48 hours between the first blood test and the second blood test are like the most stressful trauma, like true PTSD traumatizing moments. Um, you just have no idea. Um, and so we got our blood results back and they were like 600 and something. So we're like, oh my gosh, so now she's telling us you're not going to miscarry. Everything's great. We'll wait till eight weeks. Um, don't worry about everything. So it's just that like roller coaster of emotions. Um, so long story short, we waited the eight weeks. Um, so that was another two and a half weeks. I don't know. Waited till our scan. Um, she brought me in at like seven 30 in the morning, just cause I worked, I work with all these women. So I didn't really want to be in the office and I'm very thankful for that. Um, she brought me in and the gestational sack was like falling apart basically. Um, in the eight week scan, it had already started to like get into long story short, it was a miscarriage. She confirmed it in the scan. Um, it was awful. I literally remember it like it was yesterday and I won't go into many details because I've had a much longer story since then. Um, but I always think like that first one really will stick with you. Um, and hopefully you don't have to have more than one. Um, but that was kind of when I was that at that moment, I was like, okay, I need to, I want children right now. So that was where that mind shift happened, where 
you know, five, two months before I got pregnant, I just on a whim forgot my birth control and tried to to conceive. Um, whereas now it was like my lifelong mission um, to get pregnant because it's like you've had this thing just ripped away from you. And I think like with the first pregnancy too, for people that have experienced multiple miscarriages or reoccurrent loss, it's kind of like, um, you're just naive and you don't have anything that's holding you back from connecting with the baby from the beginning. So that was all start and finish. Um, cause it, we really, we were like four weeks at the end of April. So like at the very beginning of June, um, had the miscarriage. Um, I actually ended up miscarrying the night of the scan, which I was so thankful for because she's like, Hey, I don't know. You could be another week or two. You know, do you want to do this naturally? Do what do we want to do? You're not in a situation where you're going to need to have a DNC. So I was just very, very thankful that my body caught up, um, with what was going on. So we, we immediately try, tried to start trying again. Um, we obviously took the one month off. So like we took June off we conceived immediately again. So our second pregnancy was in July. I don't even know if I should go through all these stories because there's a lot. So I'll be. Tell us. Yes. I mean, I think it's important. Yeah. So I'll try to just be short and I'm sure we'll share like other stuff too. But the second one, um, I was coming home from work. And so whenever you've had a miscarriage and you're trying to conceive again, I think you start testing really early, or at least I did. Um, so I was testing like, like a week and a half before I was supposed to get my period, but you know, tracking ovulation, there, there was a chance it was going to be positive. Um, and I only had those digital tests in my house at the time. And like, those never say you're pregnant like that early. They just don't. It takes forever to like actually come up pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was going to the gym and I was literally, I ran from, I got home from work. I ran in the house. Uh, my husband was at work. I peed on the stick. I was on the phone. I put the stick on the, um, like on this little side table. And this is so much information, but when I wiped, I was bleeding. So I was like, oh, okay. So I like flushed the toilet. I got it was just like, okay, well, it's not this month. My period started early. Um, I got the rest of my gym clothes on and I went into the bathroom to throw the test away. And when I looked down and it said pregnant, I was like, what? No, I had just gone through the whole grieving of like, okay, it didn't work this month. I'm bleeding. Everything's great. And then I look and I'm like, whoa, 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 no, this can't be happening. Yeah. Yeah. So that was super traumatic. Um, that pregnancy was a chemical pregnancy. I don't need to go into all of it. It did last another week and a half. So let's say like almost six weeks. Um, my betas did rise with that one. So again, another beta hell. I went, instead of going to the gym, again, I have all these OB docs on speed dial. So I'm like I texting, <laughs> I texted one of my one of my OBs and I, I said, I'm bleeding. And I sent her the picture. It's like, what do I do? And I've learned through this whole thing. They can't do anything and you want them to, but right. she immediately sent me to LabCorp. I got a beta, it came back at 24. So I don't even know how, the, I mean, those, those digitals generally pick up 25. So yeah. it was like right on the line and waited the two days and it came back at 66. So it did double, but it was still pretty low, but I still, I was like three and a half weeks pregnant. So they were like, this is, yeah, they're like, no, this is fine. Your numbers look amazing for not even being four weeks pregnant. Everything's great. Um, I had one of the high risk MFM doctors actually scan me at four weeks and he's like, everything looks perfect for what I can see the trinamular lining. So we were just super excited again, long story short. Um, I, he, that was 
when I was put on progesterone for the very first time, which generally you're not put on progesterone until you've had a several losses or yeah. you have lab work that shows that. So he gave me progesterone to potentially quote unquote, save the pregnancy. I know after doing a lot of research, that isn't really even a thing. Um, but we were hopeful. Um, and then like within the following week, I was just bleeding so much on the progesterone. I just kept telling my husband, um, and my mom, she's like, how are you doing? And I'm like, there's too much blood. There's just too much blood. So that was the second loss. So now we've had two losses from May to like the first week in August. Um, with the chemical pregnancy, they did not tell me that I needed to wait, um, which caused me a lot of issues down the line. I wished I would have waited. Um, and when I say wait, just meaning like having a period or giving oh, your body. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So normally, historically, they used to say you should wait three months after a loss. Um, they don't say that anymore. They do tell you to wait the like one cycle. And I they actually do that more so so they can date your next pregnancy if you were to immediately get pregnant. And that's where I got myself in trouble with our third pregnancy, which was one of the longest pregnancies I had. Um, we did not wait. We got a positive pregnancy test literally like three weeks later. Um, I know. So it was the last week in August. Um, and we were actually flying out to Jackson hole on a Friday. And again, I was like, it was, I was only like three and a half weeks pregnant. I only had the digital test. I don't know why I liked those things. Um, and so I peed on the stick. I peed on it at work too. And um, it came back positive. I wanted to test before I got on the airplane and like, do I need to take my birth control? Do I need to go pick up progesterone? What, what do I need? Um, now, and Kat, it came at back. At this point, are you, anytime you see, I'm just curious because I know there's other women who are going through recurrent loss. And so at this point, when you see that positive, are you like, not like, are you even hopeful at this point? Or are you just, are you excited? Like what, tell me what you're thinking. That's a great question. So for the, for one, two, and three, I was pumped. Yeah. After this third one, I was mad every time I saw a positive pregnancy test, which is really like sad, bizarre, confusing. Yeah. It's crazy. So for this one, I was so excited. I was every time I take a pregnancy test, even to this day, I like shake, which I think everybody does. There's so much trauma around it, you know? It is. It is. And so anyways, long story short, I got, oh, and that's why too, I wanted to get a beta if I was pregnant before I went out to, yeah. um, cause we were going to be gone for two weeks. So I got my beta back and again, it was 24. Again, I was like, three weeks and four days pregnant. So they were like, it's great. Like, that's awesome. Um, she did give me a lap slip to get it when I was out there. And so the second one came back at 66, which irritated me so much because the 24 and the 66 were the exact same betas I had Crazy. with the second pregnancy. And so I kept saying, are you sure we don't need to do another one? Are you sure? Are you sure? And she, um, at this point I had switched OBs. Um, I manage physicians for my job. And so I manage all the OBGYNs um, in the Charleston area with a specific system. So 
granted, I managed this one as well, um, but it was just a little bit further removed from an office that I spent a lot of time in. So after the two losses, I was like, this is getting a little crazy. I don't want to have to tell my story to every single oh, yeah. CMA, nurse, doctor, front desk person. So I tried to remove myself from that. Um, and so this physician had not been through the first and second loss with me. And so she's like, oh no, don't worry about it. Um, and again, at this time I was on progesterone suppositories. So again, didn't bleed. Everything was great. Didn't the two week trip, didn't have any alcohol, the whole thing made it to the eight week scan, which I was like thrilled because the last one I hadn't even made it there. And the first one I was like, okay, now this is my second chance at an eight week scan. Everything's going to be great. Get to the eight week scan and I have a gestational sac showing eight weeks in a day. Um, but they don't see like the fetal pole or the yolk sac. Well, here's the problem. I didn't have a cycle. So they had no idea what to date me. And so generally at this point, they would say, okay, this looks like a blighted ovum, um, which is when you get pregnant um, and your body produces HCG and your body produces a gestational sac, but the baby never develops. It's actually like reabsorbed into your body. It's very confusing. Um, so that's when they would normally say, hey, this is a blighted ovum. Let's give you, you know, like the side attack or the, the medication. They don't really suggest a DNC. In my situation, they didn't suggest that. Um, what They didn't suggest anything at my eight-week scan. They said, I think you're only six weeks. Like, we have no idea what you are. You don't have a last miss period. Oh There's God. nothing here. There's clearly a gestational sac. It's, it's measuring actually perfectly to what you're saying. Come back in two weeks two weeks. I was like, Oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Nobody suggested doing stressful. I mean, two more weeks that feels like eternity, you know, it does. It was an eternity. And you're just like, and especially after having two losses. So, so soon. I mean, that was a loss in May, a loss in June. And now we're in September. Um, I went through a week, so I'm now like nine weeks and I like couldn't take it anymore. And again, I work in OB, so I like popped into an ultrasound room and I was like, well, someone please scan me, I can't take it. Um, so they scanned me and still there was nothing there. Um, so now I'm a little over nine weeks pregnant and I asked to move my appointment up a bit. So let's say nine and a half weeks and they confirmed it was a blighted ovum. So now we're like, and my husband, that was the very first scan he had ever been in. He was devastated. I mean, absolutely devastated. Can you imagine. Oh my goodness. And so we scheduled a DNC. I, that was just what I wanted to do. Um, and there was like, we scheduled the DNC, let's say it was a Friday and over the weekend, we both, both just did some research. We were getting really, I was getting really nervous to go under anesthesia, which is such a joke now because I've been <laughs> under it like six times, but I was just freaking out and it was at like a hospital. It wasn't like in a fertility clinic. Um, so when we got in there, she, I love this office. They wanted to just do one more scan, especially for things like blighted ovums. Like you never know. You hear these stories of like people finding out they were having twins at 20 weeks. They just, we just didn't know. So she did one more scan still. I mean, my husband was so hopeful. He's like, it's going to be there. I've read these stories. Um, but we're like nearing like 10 weeks at this point. And she's like, look, you gotta, you gotta do something. Um, so at this point we decided to do the medication route. Um, I don't even, so going back to what you said at the very beginning of the podcast, um, how you passed at home, the baby at home. I had to take the medicine too. It is 
not to scare anyone, but for us, it was a horrible, uh, yeah, my husband and I, he said it was the most traumatic experience of his life. And he's now 37 years old. Um, I would agree. I kept call- telling him to call 911. It was so painful. Oh, so, I mean, it truly is like you're giving birth. Yeah. I mean, in, you your, in, your, ba- in your bathroom. Yep. It, yeah. And they give you hydrocodone. Anyways, the whole thing, it was so dramatic. And I think we could have a whole podcast on that. Um, but and like, I don't want to get into this too much, but basically when I passed it, I was so mad. I flushed the toilet immediately. And that's something that I always, and like, I hear your story. It's so beautiful. And I'm like, and there's some really good, and I'm, I want to link them on our show notes. Um, there's this amazing Instagram. Um, she suffered with reoccurrent loss and she actually makes this is going to sound weird to people, but she makes like kits to catch the baby if you have to pass it at home. Um, Amazing. It's really, really cool. And she sells them. Um, So we'll tag that in the show notes, but that's something I really regret, but I was so angry at the time. I was so angry. I was in so much pain. I didn't, I saw it. And as I saw it, I flushed. And as I was flushing, I was like, no, 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 like, don't do it. Um, But that was the third loss. And that was just, it is what it is. So at this point, I haven't even addressed this. Um, Well, I guess, so after the second loss, I had blood clotting factors ran. So I started to do this reoccurrent loss panel, kind of on my own, kind of like a la carte. Again, I had access to like, hey, run this for me. I'm going to go run down the the road while I'm on a coffee break and get this. Um, I work in a hospital. So it was just easy. Um, Everything I was running, like the, um, and I could probably put this in the show notes too of everything I've done, but they were just starting like the blood clotting. We did, um, what else did we do? We basically did the basic panel and everything came back completely normal. Um, so after the third loss, all of, all of the physicians, both of the OBs, just colleagues that are OBs, um, the high risk doctor, they're all like, it's just bad luck. Absolute bad luck. And I'm like, no, it's not. I know it's not bad luck. I'm, I was 20, eight at the 29 at the time. Um, Josh and I are super healthy. I mean, it just isn't like a bad luck thing. And so at that point I, um, pushed to go to a fertility specialist in Charleston. Um, I'm not going to share who that was just because we had a really poor experience, but we are now into on October 1st was when we took the pills and we passed the third baby. Um, so we were like, okay, October, November, December, we're going to take three months off. We're going to have the best year. We're not going to do anything. Um, the best year we're going to have the best last three months of the year. The holidays are coming up. We're not going to try. We're actually going to try not to try. Um, and so October came and went, I had a cycle. I was very excited about that. Um, and Josh and I ended up going to, um, Mexico for my 30th birthday and we had tons of tequila. We were having the best time ever. We were doing yoga. We were running in like 110 degree heat. I was, we were just like taking tequila shots on the beach. Um, and And at this point I had been told for the progesterone, stay on the progesterone, even like if you're not trying, but I want, they wanted me to take them three days after I ovulated. Um, and there's some really good science to that, where it shows like, if you start progesterone, um, the day you get a positive pregnancy test, there's like 0% increase, um, in a, in a full-term birth. But if you actually start it before the embryo implants, there's a 16% increase in a live birth. Mm -hmm. 
I yes. That. That's, that's really cool. Yeah. I'm like you, I just did a ton of research on like when you're being your own advocate, you're like, I, I what do I do? Mm-hmm. Um, so I had brought the progesterone with me to Mexico. I feel like anytime you've been through a miscarriage or trying for a baby, you can say all you want that you're not trying, but in the back of your head, you're like, okay, like this is going to be it. So I'm in Mexico and I'm taking the progesterone. And so they tell you that sometimes if you're on the progesterone, it can delay a, a period. And I didn't want that to happen. Cause again, I'm like, I want these periods to come and go as quick as possible. As soon as these three months are up, we're going to try. So we flew yeah. home, right? <laughs> so we flew home and I took a pregnancy test that night just because I was like, okay, I need to stop the progesterone the next morning. And it was negative. So I'm like, okay, great. So for whatever reason, the next morning, Josh went to work and I think I had like one more test and my boobs were really sore and I took a test and it was glaringly positive. So now this is, my goodness. Yeah. So this is four pregnancies since May and we're in November. (laughs) We're at the end of November. Insane. Yeah. And I'm just like, I've gotten no answer. So at this point we we're with a fertility clinic. We've done our whole intro. Um, they've done, a, uh, they've done everything and more in terms of testing. Josh had had a semen analysis. I had actually done the HSG at that point, which just checks for the fluid in your tubes. Um, and that's a whole, Did they diagnose you with unexplained fertility as well at this point or what? So at this point, they didn't even want to Say infertility because I had been pregnant three times True, and my AMH was fine. It was like, I mean, it wasn't great, but it was like a two, which I think it's like fine for 20. I mean, I think like 2.3 is better, but anyways, that was fine. Josh's came back incredible. Um, my HSG was clear. All of the blood clotting was normal. Um, we did, we went, we even did paid extra for the karyotyping. So I'm sure you and Chris probably did that. We did. with the chromosome. So yeah. balanced translocation is something that with women with reoccurrent loss, they look at, um, and they see if like when the sperm and the egg come together, if chromosomes are like translocating the wrong way. Um, and if you have that, it's really hard to make a genetically normal embryo that came back clear. I did a whole Natera genetic screening on me. I mean, we did the nine yards. Yeah. Um, and so we got pregnant at this point and they decided that the fertility clinic wanted to track us, um, which I was super thankful for. I was like, great. So we do the beta. My beta came back at 110. So this is my highest beta I've ever had. I was thrilled. I think at this point I may have been four weeks flat pregnant. Um, so I was really happy with that. Um, we got it again and it was like in the four hundreds. I mean, it, it was great. Betas looked good. Um, she brought me in for a six and a half week scan and we saw the baby for the first time. So we were like, Oh my God, this is it. There's everything's on and everything was on track. Everything was perfect. Um, she did say she was like, the yolk sac is fine, but it's like on the bigger side, like it's still normal, but it's on the bigger side in terms of the dynamometer. And um, she said, this is a pretty good indicator. If it gets bigger, if at your eight week scan, it gets bigger. It's a really good indicator for down syndrome or for another type of abnormality genetically. Um, she's like, doesn't mean, doesn't mean that you won't carry it to term, but that's a pretty good um, indicator for that. So Josh and I were just like, we could have cared less. We were just so happy. We got our ultrasound picture. We had, we could see the baby. I mean, everything was measuring perfectly. My betas were good. We were so thrilled. Um, we thought we were going to like, and be able to announce on Christmas last year. Um, so we went in for the eight week scan and the yolk sac had like 
hold on, I'm thinking I'm missing a part. Oh, before I went back in at eight weeks, I got scanned at one of my doctor's offices and we heard the heartbeat. Um, and the heartbeat was only 87 beats per minute at seven weeks. It should be like at least over 110. So yeah. again, not super, super far off, but worry some signs that it could maybe go wrong exactly the the larger yolk sac the heartbeat being really slow so we waited another like half a week and we went into eight weeks there was still a heartbeat but it was slow it was still in the 80s um and the yolk sac had gotten bigger so she's like this is a hundred percent an abnormal pregnancy I don't want to go into it because it's a really reputable, reputable clinic in the city that I live in, but it was just really horrible experience for Josh and I. Um, she actually scheduled a DNC the day we were there um, with the baby's heart still beating, which was really just that is traumatic. Oh, so traumatizing. Oh my goodness, Kat. Yeah. Not even imagine that. Yeah. And she basically just said this and she was right. It didn't, it did it. It wasn't a viable pregnancy, but the way that it, she went about it was just awful. Um, so on December 23rd, dude, sorry, you're great. Uh -oh. <laughs> See two people, different stories. Um, on December 20th, I know December 23rd of last year, um, I had my first ever DNC and honestly, like the, the DNC itself wasn't as terrifying as like, I thought it was going to be. It was my first time ever being under anesthesia. Um, and let me just clarify when I went back for the DNC, like two days later, um, I was under the impression I would get an ultrasound done because I, the last time I saw my baby, the heartbeat was beating. Right. So I'm yeah. like, well, they're, of course, they're not going to just like wheel me into the OR. I had to put up the biggest fight to get a scan. And I remember saying like, what are you in the business of killing babies? I was so mad. I was so mad. I don't wish she, yeah. And she was like, well, if you weren't going to follow through with the procedure today, I don't have time to do this. I mean, it was awful after everything. Sorry. Yeah, it was really bad. So anyways, we went in there and there was no heartbeat. So I wanted to clarify that before I just no, missed I that, that whole part. So there was no heartbeat. And so I felt comfortable going back and doing that. Um, at that point, you know, so now we're 12 months ago at that point, we were like, no, we really, really need to take a break. And my husband, the whole, so what is it? May, June, July, August. So like eight months, we were pregnant four times and all of them, except one got past eight weeks, eight, two, eight weeks. So it was, I was pretty much pregnant for the whole nine months uh, with four different babies. So that was crazy. Josh, the entire time was like, we need to wait. Your body's not ready. They're not, you know, he was just adamant that it was that we were just getting pregnant back to back and he had a valid point. Um, so I agreed to wait three months, um, January, February, March, and like really focus on anything. I mean, I think we both read it starts with an egg. What other, you know, CoQ10 supplements I was doing the vitamin D. I basically did everything that that book said. Um, and I came home in April. It was like April 1st or something ridiculous. I think it was April fools because I was like, is this an April fools joke? Uh -huh. Um, we made it through the three months of not trying. Um, and I got home and I ran upstairs and I'm like, babe, I'm ovulating. And he is like, I think I have COVID. Oh my gosh, Kat. No. I'm like, you do not have COVID. Get, I will take your temperature. You don't I'm have ovulating. COVID. <laughs> 
I was like, I don't care if you have COVID. And so I, I do, I did care. And so he, I put the thermometer in his mouth and it was like 99. It was still going. It was like 99. So like, I'm getting out of my work clothes, I'm changing and it goes off and he's like, babe, it's 103. So I will speed through it. But long story short, he had COVID and um, that was day one of ovulating. So if you know how that works, your window is only about eight to 10 days and we quarantined from each other the whole time. It was so, it was so difficult. Like it was so difficult (laughs) because I'm like, I've waited three months. I've been so patient. I've just had four losses. I have a higher desire to get pregnant than I have ever had in my life. Um, and now and I then, in the same room as you. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I made him go live over the garage. We have a furnished, oh. <laughs> we have a furnished place over the garage. So we weren't even like near each other. No. Um, but then there's all that scare with men's sperm and COVID and like, can they become infertile? And I mean, there's a ton of research on that. So I worked, got myself worked up. Um, I found a different fertility clinic in the time that we were waiting and my last experience. Um, so we started, I started seeing him. We had no intent to intent of doing IVF. I just kind of wanted like, Hey, like, what do I need to be doing? I want to be monitored really closely. Um, and I did want, I wanted Josh to get like another semen analysis. So he did Thank goodness. Everything came back identical to what it was before. I know I have friends that that's not the case. Um, but I think that's like a really good suggestion is if your partner does get COVID and they're a male to just maybe test that before you jump into an IVF cycle. Um, okay. So what month are we in? April didn't work. Um, April, May. Okay. So we tried in May. We did not. Oh no, we didn't. So when we, when we were there, um, in April to get his semen analysis, my physician did an SHG, which is, um, just a little bit more intrusive, I guess, than the HSG. Yeah. And he identified like a So there's different types of like uterine abnormalities that you can have um, in terms of shape. Like if you've ever heard of a heart-shaped uterus or the bicornate uterus, like the septums and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And so basically anything under 0.75 is normal in terms of like a dip at the top of your uterus. And on the screen, he saw like a 0.6 dip and he's like, it's technically normal. However, you've had four losses. We have zero reason. There's nothing. Your AMH is fine. All your labs are fine. Your whole recurrent loss panel is normal. Your husband's normal. Um, why don't we do a hysteroscopy and remove it? Um, and he's like, it's so small, like 0.6 centimeters, or I think it was centimeters. So it wasn't even a centimeter. Um, And I was at that point, I was like, sure, whatever, let's just do whatever. So we couldn't try in May because I had that surgery. Um, And I went up, I had to actually go up to Columbia because the clinic I'm with now, Preg is new, was, is new to Charleston and they didn't have their OR set up. And I'm going to just share this really quick story. And I know we're running out of time. This is going to be just for everyone who's listening. Our episodes are not this long, (laughs) Um, but we had to drive up to Columbia. Columbia. And this is, I have been talking to friends that have gone through infertility and Amanda, did your parents ever take you to any of your stuff? So my in-laws, so my in-laws actually winded up driving us to Michigan for my transfer. Yeah. Yeah. So my, it's 
we all talk about like how mom wants to stay in the hospital with you overnight or I mean, my mom was at my house like yeah. every day yeah yeah and it was so my mom was gonna josh was just working he couldn't get off i mean when you go through all this kind of stuff you can't I didn't expect my husband to take off work every time I had an appointment. Um, it's just not realistic. And so my mom was going to drive me up to Columbia, which is like an hour and a half drive. And then my dad didn't want my mom driving without him. So like, and then I thought they would just drop me off and like wait in the car. No, they both walked in and I'm like sitting in between my mom and my dad as a 30 year old. <laughs> for the surgery. It was so embarrassing. Um, and so I go back there and I share this because my CRNA that was in there has been like one of the most influential people on my current journey that I'm on now. Mm -hmm. Um, she, her name's Wizzy and she just, so what happened? She's incredible. So what happened was I go back to the OR, I'm laying on the table, everything's prepped and they, she's the CRNA. So she's super sweet. She's beautiful. She's got like all these tats. I'm like, Oh my gosh, you're the coolest person ever. And <laughs> I'm laying there, I'm getting like drugged up and she's pumping the drugs and the doctor comes in and he's like, Oh my gosh, can we wait? I have going to be delayed by like 10 to 15 minutes. And she's like, like the drugs going. Oh in. yeah. And I am not good on drugs. Like I'm shaking and I'm like, I'm going to make oh. a fool of myself. Like, please don't stop. Just put me under. Oh, just uh, me sleep. Yeah. yeah. Just make me go to sleep. I do not need to be here. So she like stops doing them. Um, and she's like, I'll sit here and stay with you. Oh. So she, and I'm like shake my like teeth are chattering. Cause I'm like all drugged up and I'm nervous. And so she sits there and we talk and she openly shares and I don't need, I'm not going to share her full story, but she says that she's also been through recurrent loss. And I looked at her and I was like, well, have you ever been pregnant? And she goes, again, this was, um, May of 2021. And she's like, no, we've had five failed rounds of IVF, but we adopted our son and he's the most amazing person in our life and blah, 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 blah. Um, and at that time, April of this year was when I started thinking about adoption. And so it had been like four to five weeks and I had that whole encounter and I literally just felt like an angel. It was really that is mind blowing and bizarre. And you know, right after that conversation, I like pass out. Right. Um, and we find each other on Instagram, which I think is the second crazy thing. And we have like stayed in contact like weekly. I'm going to try to get her on the show because she has a beautiful personal amazing fertility story. Yeah, she is incredible. And so I'll fast forward these next couple months, but we've been in touch a lot in the last, you know, four weeks. So anyways, had the hysteroscopy. Um, he told us, he's like, I actually went in there and it was like 0.2 centimeters. Like I didn't even really remove anything. It just looked a little bit bigger, which is possible on imaging. Um, and so he's like, you're cleared to try again. So Josh and I still, I mean, I was like kind of into IVF just cause I wanted to speed things along, but there's no reason for us to do it. Um, so we said, let's give it three months and let's see if we can get pregnant. Well, once again, we tried in June, got pregnant in June. So now this is our fifth pregnancy and our first try at a baby in 2021. So we were like, whoa, we still have it, right? I was very scared that we waited. He had COVID. I had had this surgery. I'm like, we're not going to be able to get pregnant again. Um, We get pregnant and uh, we were pregnant through July 4th of this past year this was another chemical pregnancy. So now we only were pregnant for like five and a half weeks. And now I'm starting to freak out. Like, wait, we just had a baby with a heartbeat. Why is this, why is this pregnancy now even shorter than the last one? Um, and I 
I think that pushed me into doing IVF because I'm just like, wow, five miscarriages, something's, something's got to give. Like maybe it's the progesterone and oil that'll do the trick, or maybe it's, you know, the prednisone I'll have before the transfer. I wasn't thinking, I wasn't thinking IVF was like going to be the fix. I was thinking that the drugs associated with IVF were going to be the fix. Um, and I know we're super out of time, but basically I started IVF the week after I miscarried in 2021, in July of 2021. Um, we ended up only getting nine eggs, which was super frustrating Especially because you have been getting pregnant. So like easily you, I mean, yes. So we, so to this point, before we started IVF, we never had a negative pregnancy test except, um, no, we never had because well, except that very first month we ever started trying. Yeah. Like in March of 2020, you would think you then had, I mean, so at oh that God. point we had, yeah. So at that point we had almost had like a hundred percent fertilization rate just by ourselves. Yeah. Um, and he also thought we were going to get at least in the double digits. Um, so we got nine. And then like you were saying earlier, the call, which was just awful, you know, he called and said there was only five mature. And I immediately wrote the whole cycle off. I'm like, oh, well, we're done. There's no, we only had five mature, like, great. Well, I know that with statistics, that's not going to lead to anything. So I'll speed it up. But we ended up getting one embryo. We did PGT testing. And by the grace of God, it came back normal. I will tell you to this day, we never found out the gender of that embryo that we transferred. And I really, I'm going to ask him next time. But it's totally we, that probably on file. So for us, yeah. So for us, we did know the gender of our fourth pregnancy that had the heartbeat. Um, when they, when we had the DNC, they, they suggested the DNC for genetic testing, because at that point there was four losses and they wanted to see, are these genetic losses? Um, but it came back a, com a perfectly like genetically normal baby boy. And so Josh and I, that was like so heartbreaking to know the gender that we were like, we, we, we just haven't asked, like, it's crazy. Anyway. So we did the ERA, we did the mock transfer. We did everything and anything that could make the transfer perfect because we only had the one. So my whole IVF cycle went from mid July. Um, we transferred November, 15th. I was going to forget November 15th. So a month ago, a little over a month ago day, which is still so crazy how our stories have all like aligned, but that is the same day that my boy was born. Which that is that so crazy? crazy. I know. Um, and and we are, but so, I mean, alike that we've just been able on yeah. I mean, the same day, but different stories. It's so and so if our first few podcasts sound bizarre, I had just had an IVF transfer. Amanda literally was recording a podcast four days after giving birth. I mean, I don't know how you did it. But anyways, um, so we transferred and we actually did get pregnant <laughs> with the IVF transfer. Um, I got my first positive pre pregnancy test four days after transfer. I was just like, I'm going to, it was my 31st birthday. And I was like, I'm going to test. I just want to know. Um, and so it came back positive and then I actually got positive tests the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, and the morning of the ninth. Um, it just, they weren't, they were getting darker, but they weren't getting dark. Like they weren't. Yeah. Like you took a picture of it and you could see it, but it just wasn't dark enough. And being pregnant five times before I knew that it was not good. Mm -hmm. Um, so we had our beta and it was, it was under 30 and they were like, it's not, it's not going to happen. Um, so we actually didn't even do a second beta. We were pretty, I mean, I know a lot of people that have a beta of like 20 or something. It, sure. But the fact that I was getting a positive four days after 
it needed to double every two days. So they were like, okay, well, let's say it was five, four days after it needs to be much higher. You clearly implanted early. Um, so that all happened last month. Um, and before we transferred and I'll wrap this up, but like before we transferred, I had been wanting to adopt since April of 2021. Um, that's why Wizzy meant so much to me. And you can like talk to my family or even Josh, Josh was like, she's not magic. Like she did like, cause I was like, no, but it was like meant to be, I was on the table and like who shares that story. And, um, I have like a laundry list in my iPhone from April 1st of 2021, like every two days I would meet somebody that had adopted, that was adopted, that was a birth mom. And it was just, it was coming out of nowhere because I had never, ever I never thought about adoption before April of this year. It wasn't even an option for me. And even in April, we weren't even doing IVF. It wasn't like we had even started to exhaust any other options. Um, so Wizzy was a key player and I had already been working with an agency since April. <laughs> um, and the agency, I know we're the same. The agency we were working with actually did not allow you to be pregnant or pursue fertility treatment when you were working with them. And that's fine. Um, for us, we had our home st study scheduled for July 10th of this year and I was pregnant. Right. And so I was trying to be ethical and I sent the girl a message a couple days before. And I was like really nervous. I'm like, you know, I'm probably going to miscarry. Should I just not tell her? Should I tell her? I just had to tell her. I told her. And so she canceled it. Um, just which so frustrating was frustrating, but then we were moving into IVF. And so I was trying to just focus on one, you know, jot, like you said earlier about the genetics and the sperm or the egg or, or just double donor, like for us or, or embryo donation for us. Um, I was super willing to just do an egg donor. I was like, I'll do it. But they weren't, they were just telling me there's no, nothing's indicating you need an egg donor. Mm -hmm. You're just going to waste your money to, to do that. Um, so I don't even, oh, what we were, I don't know where I really, where I was going with that about adoption, but anyways, I, after my, after my fourth loss, I had zero desire to be pregnant again. I had zero desire. I had just been through it all. I'd seen the positive test. I've done the betas. I've gone to the eight week scan. I've done the DNC. I've done the pills. I've done natural, natural miscarriage. Like I've had a chemical. It just always kind of boring to me in a sense of like, you're like tapped out. I mean, you went tapped out. Many I'm like, things. yeah, I can't go through this again. So anyways, Josh, that's where I was going with it. Josh really, really at the time wanted to try for a biological child through IVF and thinking like, what if we don't try? And that was the answer. And I'll just never know. Yeah. Um, so throughout the IVF process, I continued to really keep the, the adoption stuff on the forefront, but then try to be strong in a sense of like, I need to focus and be in a good mindset for this natural pregnancy. Um, so we were laughing. We went back. I love to like do manifestation journaling and Josh is like, you're so crazy. We went back to like October and it was like, I'm manifesting to, um, hold a full-term pregnancy. Or if my adopted child's reading this, I also really, really want you to, and like okay. every, every entry has like a naturally well, conceived and an adopted child. Like, Josh, if they ever went back and read it, I don't want them to think they were wanted any less than this I other. Gosh, that is so funny. It was cute. But um right. Yeah. So, anyways, we decided before we transferred that if it failed, that this was the time that we were gonna fill up, file our paperwork. And 
it did fail. Um, so we are super excited. We are almost active in the adoption process. And I do so just want to, I know I'm so, I'm so freaking excited about it. Like one of two of my really good friends, um, announced that they were pregnant, uh, over like the last four days. And they're like, I really hope this doesn't like hurt you or in, I can like truthfully say, I'm like, I, we're not compete. There's no, and you're never competing, but it's like, I'm no longer having that desire. And I'm, I'm so happy for you. I would be so happy for you if I was having that desire, but like, it's just a whole different, different path to take. Mm -hmm. And I want to be really clear that I think adoption and infertility should not be combined in a term of like adoption isn't for people that have had infertility or adoptions like a choice that you need to consider because you're struggling to have a baby it's something that we were thinking have been thinking about for almost a year um, before we even started IVF and I think a lot of people that do struggle to conceive hate the option of adoption yeah it's I think that's Mm -hmm. I think that's really true. And I don't want to say, Hey, this is my story. I've had six miscarriages, you know, two of those were chemical pregnancies. And so now we're just adopting. Um, it really is completely unrelated. And to that point, we're actually, I think it'll be like next week, we're going to start our second round of IVF. Um, and we're only going to do an egg retrieval. Um, so I'm excited to like speak through that. I think our next guest is actually an embryologist. I don't even know if you knew that that was, <laughs> that was next. So our next guest is an embryologist. And so I'm super excited to talk to her through all that probably during my phase of fertilizing the eggs and all that kind of stuff. But we will do another round of IVF. We're going to try to get um, a handful of embryos and then we will not transfer those until like after we finalize an adoption. Um, and hopefully not for like a, even a year after we finalize an adoption. I just, I'm 31, my husband's 37. And so we were like, well, we might as well get the embryos now because it'll at least be two more years from now. So that's kind of my whole deal. I think this is going to be like two hours. Hey, it's our first one. So we're really welcoming you guys into a cat and I story, but I promise all the other ones are like 50 minutes, 40 yeah, minutes. 45 minutes. Yeah. yeah. So they're not this long, but I think it's really important though, to just kind of explain both our stories and how, I mean, vastly different they are. Vastly um, different. And I think, you know, that kind of goes to show like when we do speak with like maybe it'll it'll show like with the guests we decide to have on um like where maybe our interests lie un unintentionally like mine's obviously recurrent pregnancy loss and yeah. amanda with embryo donation and now mine with adoption um we really and amanda said it perfectly in the beginning we just want like a full range of different paths that people that women have taken to build their family no matter what that looks like so you know if you did IUI and got pregnant the very first time you did IUI that's amazing like we want to hear about that yeah. um or like medicated cycle or whatever that looks like and I think that was our biggest intent behind what the fertility and not using the word infertility mm -hmm. um because we really just wanted to focus on like women's fertility and the path to growing your family and didn't really want to focus so much on like the quote unquote infertility aspect of it yeah it's so true but we are so excited that you guys are here and listening and we really um just hope that this has been encouraging and we can't wait to kind of just do this whole thing alongside all of you. Um, and yeah, so we have 
another episode coming next week. So stay tuned um, for that. So thanks so much for listening. Thanks.